there was this girl, Liana, writing me an email and she was telling me about how much she loves laundromats. So she was really into laundromats and she would just like talk and write about them all the time. So <laughs> I always think it's very exciting if people are very excited about something. Mm -hmm. And I think her energy just like swept over and I thought, what an amazing project to design a laundromat. listening to Wellfed. I'm your host, John Sorrentino, a designer based out of New York, and on each episode, I sit down to talk with one of my creative heroes. Individuals whose work, style, and ideas I admire and continue to be inspired by every day. We discuss their past, present, and everything in between. Hey, before we start, I'm trying out something new this season, and I need your help. I'll be releasing episodes every Tuesday until the final episode, and I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that I can keep up. I would love to get your feedback after every release, and I'll be giving away stickers and pins to everyone that helps out as a thank you. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the podcast on social media. Take a screenshot and DM it to me on Instagram or Twitter at WellFedPodcast, and I'll send you some good old-fashioned snail mail. With that, enjoy the episode. On this episode, my guest is Varina Mihilic, designer based in Brooklyn who has worked with the likes of Apple, Rowan Co., Pendagram, Sagmeister & Walsh, and one of my favorite magazines currently, the Weed and Marijuana Lifestyle magazine, Gossamer. So Varina, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited. Very excited. You know, in the last year, Seeing the design work that has gone into Gossamer has been amazing. And I think that ultimately will led me to looking at your work and wanting to kind of speak with you for the podcast. Thank you. I want to start in the beginning. You're not originally from New York. You grew up in Austria. Yes, I um, grew up in a very small town in Austria, close to the border of Slovenia. It's like 7,000 people. Went to high school there. After that, I moved to the next closest bigger city which is called Graz mm -hmm. it's the second largest city in Austria but it's actually still quite small it's like 200,000 250 something like that mm -hmm. but it's a university town so there's a lot of universities and different colleges so it's great for education and yeah that, that's where I went after high school there's a lot of old and new in Graz, you know, yeah, exactly. there's a lot of architecture and yeah. I believe there's a an old legend about a clock tower there as well. The I protector guess. of Graz or the city. Really? Did you look it up? That's I, amazing. <laughs> I am really bad at that because now that you ask me, I don't know about it at the top of my head. That's okay. But what is it? So there was a clock tower that has been there for hundreds of yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the site kind of in Graz, so... Mm -hmm. It's very visible from all points from the city. The protector or something like that. Could you tell me about the friendly alien? Sure, yeah. So the friendly alien is a museum for contemporary art in Graz. And there's this whole area. So the city is kind of divided by this river called Mur. And there's one area in Graz which was kind of not a great area there were there were a lot of brothels it wasn't the best um, mm -hmm. area of town but in the recent years i would say maybe like past 15 years it really got very famous especially because this friendly alien was built in this area and that i think that and other things just helped bring this area to life and now it's 
So kind of number one creative area in the city. There's a lot of design studios, a lot of things happening. I think the design for this museum was already done in the 70s. Wow. But it just got, it t- took really long to, I guess, get it approved or get it built. It it looks very crazy. Unfortunately, yeah. it's a podcast, so people can't see it. <laughs> no, that's okay. We'll link but it, it on almost the looks like an organ or something. Yeah. It's, yeah, also very visible from this clock tower that we talked about yeah, before. And it just really stands out because there's so much very old architecture. This is a very modern, very organic building. I forgot the name of the architects, but that's okay. <laughs> Research. So you went to school in Graz. Yeah. Uh, what did you go to study for? The course of study was called information design. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, it was communication design. There you could choose a major after two years. So you either went into more interactive digital or video kind of design, or you went into exhibition design and communication design, which is more kind of classic print. Mm-hmm. That's what I did because I was really interested in exhibition design at first. And that's also some of my first projects or jobs that I was working in was exhibition design. I really enjoyed that, working with either artists or with historians. I also very briefly studied history of arts after college, but that was only like one semester. So I was always into that museum aspect and art aspect as well. And that seemed to me that it's kind of the perfect combination to combine design with art or art history. We share an appreciation, maybe, for the Austrian philosopher Otto Neurath. Oh, yeah? yeah? Yeah, I studied him in school as well. Oh, that's and amazing. I believe you did as well. Yeah, he, that was one of my first design books that I think I ever got. I think my mom bought it for me because I was really into pictograms. Like I think that's one thing that really drew me into design. I was just always trying to simplify things and really interested in where pictograms kind of came from. So I learned about this guy called Otto Neurath, who was Viennese, I think, in the beginning of the 20th century. He tried to simplify things for people to make them understand certain relationships or politics or economical circumstances, because many people were illiterate at that time. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to find a way to make people go vote and go and make them understand economics or politics or anything really. So I think that was really interesting to me that that was actually how pictograms kind of started. I did a font in school after learning about him and studying Mm -hmm. it where it was kind of like a dingbats thing where every letter was a different icon that you could potentially experience while in college so a basketball game or a bus or things around the college campus that you would experience I loved his work and it was amazing to kind of find out that you were also very much inspired by him because I think your work now shows a lot of that trying to simplify sort of some messaging sometimes and, and make pictograms and icons that are very legible and immediately recognized yeah for sure I think that's the thing in communication design to be able to convey any message in a visual way and in a way that that people understand it. Either it's like in an emotional sense or in a, a sense that you just need to, to explain a circumstance in any visual way, really. After you graduated, you freelanced for a while. Yeah, I kind of went freelance right away. So during college, I already worked. I started working at an advertising agency when I was 19 
it was one of the most kind of oldest advertising agencies in the city. It was very classical. So it was very 80s advertising vibe. Yeah, that was really good for me to just see how things work. They even let me present work already, which was crazy. I think I had my first presentation when I was 21 to a client. That's awesome. But yeah, I did it part-time. So I would be there every now and then when I didn't have to like study at university. And then after it, so I was kind of familiar with almost like freelance work or doing something on the side. I also started to do logos for like my uncle's company or like sure, small yeah. things here and there. And then the federal state of Australia that I was living in, they had this um, kind of competition or they offered young artists and designers in the city a space to work in for one year for almost free. So you had to pay a very low fee. It was also in this like area that I was talking about mm -hmm. um, called Lend in Graz. So you had to apply to get that residency. It was almost like an artist in residency. So I applied with a photographer friend of mine and it was a very cool building too. It was very modern and very um, beautiful in a way. And they also organized exhibitions and really took care of the artists. So they wanted to support young people to do their own thing in like any artistic or creative sense. So yeah, we ended up winning this residency for a year. Wow. So it really helped me to make the decision to go freelance right away. And I had to deal with like finding out everything about how I set up my business and yeah. how I how much I charge per hour or per day or whatever, which was kind of crazy when I think back because I really didn't know much. I just did whatever I learned in school. I did <laughs> more web design, weirdly. And yeah, I just figured it out, learning by doing kind totally. of um, but I also really enjoyed it it was very rewarding to get money after you did something without sitting in a studio and having to like getting paid like whatever every two weeks or every month sure yeah you could really see that if I put in that work I get that back and so yeah that was really becoming cool a business owner at a very young age yeah a little bit yeah you had mentioned that you were doing web design was were you doing just all kinds of different service and design work? Yeah, that, I mean, that was in maybe, when was that, like 2008 or something. So there were weird web backend systems. I almost forgot that. I think it was called Tupolite or something. Mm -hmm. So it was like almost like WordPress, but I just familiarized myself with that platform. And based on that, I built different websites for any sorts of clients. Mm -hmm. Like there were a couple of vineyards or I don't even remember what what types of websites I built but I just built anything coming through the desk at that exactly point. yeah that's cool I think you freelanced about three years in Graz yeah. um at what point then because you start the creative studio and guard yeah exactly and, and what was part of that decision and how did that come about mm -hmm. so my friends that I had the residency with her boyfriend was a graphic designer too. His name was Mario and the other guy was called Philip. And they already started, they already freelanced in graphic design and they called themselves on guard already. So that was very fresh at that point. It was just two of them and they were sitting in an office behind a hairdresser. <laughs> it was a tiny like one room studio. So yeah, I got to know them. I really loved their work a lot and I admired them for what they were doing. And yeah, at some point they were asking me if I want to be kind of the third party on guard and if I want to help them grow 
the company and grow the network. At that point, it was like a freelance network. So the idea was to team up with a lot of freelancers, share a space and team up on projects. That's what I did. So we spent maybe half a year or maybe it was another year. I don't remember. But we still kept working out of this small the spot mm-hmm. that you, you had for the residency or behind the hairdresser? That was the hairdresser, yeah. So we worked <laughs> out of the hairdresser for a bit. And then eventually we moved into an office. Mm-hmm. That was really fun then because we started taking on larger projects and we pitched for statewide competitions to do That's larger awesome. projects. We did a lot of things for um, like theaters or a famous Austrian fashion designer and yeah I, I kind of really enjoyed that time because we were all quite young still we were really under 25 like <laughs> we were all like super young but we just figured it out and it was just a very good vibe in the office because everyone loved doing graphic design and there was also something really exciting and challenging about challenging other studios in the city like some of the really old bigger ones and going up against them as like exactly, the underdog yeah. the studio is still around they're yeah. still doing work, They're doing awesome work. When you joined, I think recently I've heard someone say that you should join a situation where you are not doing the same thing as someone else. You should mm-hmm. join people that balance you in that sense. So for me, I'm not great at writing copy or things like that. So that would be kind of an example. But was that a similar situation that you were in or were you all kind of focused on communication design, information design, and things like that? I think... We all had very specific skill sets, like the three of us in the beginning. Um, Philip was more the business-minded guy and was very kind of web-savvy and technology-savvy. Mario was super artistic and was very much into doing also like things like festivals and connecting people, and he was really great about that. And I think... I was the one that was like super like design nerdy. So I really was picking up everything about design from around the world and was really looking also outside of Austria. So I think we balanced each other out in a very good way. And I think it was also good for them in a way because they they were very close friends. So I feel like they also needed like a third balancing person. Sure, to not let heads all the time with each other. But I think the three of us had a a good dynamic. That's cool. And before we get into this next part, I feel like, I can ask you this question and you might mm-hmm. have a really good response. Is there a favorite typeface that you, do you have a favorite? It's really hard to say. I don't think that I honestly have a favorite typeface. I've always admired like very simple typefaces mm. in, a, in a way and the classic kind of Swiss Helvetica or Neue totally. Haas grotesque typefaces. Yeah. And for the longest time, actually, I was more into sans serif typefaces for, for a weird reason, but Honestly, no, I don't think that that there's a... That's I think a, there's like type foundries that are really amazing, but yeah. So this next leg of your career, you go on to then intern at Sagmeister and Walsh. You then also work with Pentagram and then work at Rowanco in some of the biggest studios in New York. How did you go from Engard to interning at Sagmeister and Walsh, going from Austria over to New York? Mm-hmm. So Stefan Sagmeister was always one of my design heroes. Even when I was a teenager, I saw some of his work and I just thought it's really amazing what you can do with graphic design because I didn't really understand what graphic design was really. I To me, it seemed really boring, but when I saw his work, I was like, this is actually really amazing and so different. And yeah, so I learned about him. 
And then at Angard, at some point, I also realized after doing that for like three years, I also realized I was missing a mentor or I was missing kind of new feedback or more inspiration because I still felt like I'm, I'm quite young and I never worked at a place where someone someone told me to, to uh, gave me like really like strong feedback or gave me guidance or was a little bit older than all of us were. Mm-hmm. So I felt I was missing that a bit and I was just really curious about working in a studio that I admire a lot and just being ready to learn more and to have a mentor really. Mm -hmm. So I sent out a lot of applications to New York. It wasn't, Sagmaster wasn't like my first choice because I mean, I was like super happy to be there (laughs) in the end of course, but first I really thought I wanted to go back to exhibition design. So I wrote to a lot of museums. I I wrote to the MoMA and the new museum and really wanted to do exhibition catalogs or exhibition design, things Mm -hmm. like that. But nobody really got back. So it was really hard to write all of these emails and hear nothing back at all. Hear hear nothing back at all. (laughs) Emotionally. And I, I... even made these kind of printed portfolios that were really nice and really with complicated laser cut covers and whatever. So I had 10 of them and then I figured, well, I could also send them to Stefan Sagmaster because why not? I have it already. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, very shortly after I heard back from Jessica at that point. So when I was interning there, it was uh, still Sagmaster Inc. So it was before they became bigger. And they said they are looking for an intern for three months in like two months time. So it went really fast and I went to New York, did this internship. So I kind of went back from working already and almost having my own business to interning. Mm-hmm. But I knew that that was the only way to get into New York and I was still like young enough to do that. And also it was really amazing to all of a sudden be in his studio and of course like the first weeks there was a little bit of i was a little like starstruck, starstruck, yeah. starstruck and like whenever someone would look at my screen it's like oh my god like <laughs> am i doing the right thing with with whatever i'm doing with my mouse right now but i worked on the happy show there which was an exhibition oh, wow. so mm-hmm. i came like full circle back to exhibition design which was kind of amazing so yeah. i was able to do exactly what i wanted at that's awesome because the happy show i remember like seeing that while i was in school and just Mm -hmm. being like wow this is great work (laughs) um the most recent exhibition that that he did in in zurich as well um was it also called the happy show everything was yellow yeah uh in vienna they did the beauty show i think that was recent as well there was one in in switzerland that i I was able to see oh yeah off the top of my head, I can't remember it now, of course, but I mean, that's great that you're able to get exposed to the exhibition design at, you know, without really even going directly to like the MoMA or anything like that. You were there for three months. Mm -hmm. You then eventually had to go back to uh, Austria. Yeah. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say it in public, but basically you're allowed to stay in the US for three months. Mm -hmm. Visa or whatever it may be. Yeah. But you could extend it if you just leave the country and come back. Oh, completely. So at that point, I still had my company in Austria. So I was able to write invoices from there. So Mm -hmm. I just wrote to different studios and then eventually landed at Pentagram with Eddie Opara and freelanced there for a bit, which was also really amazing because it's such a famous design studio. So I was really lucky to get in there. 
learned a lot about editorial design and was able to do an amazing illustration together with Eddie Opara. And yeah, at that point, I really felt like I don't want to go back to Austria. Sure, yeah. I want to work here full time and I want to stay longer. The energy of New York just kind of sweeps you up. Yeah, exactly. You had mentioned that you ended up at Pentagram, but what was the process for that? You know, mm -hmm. did you go through the same idea of sending out your portfolio and trying to get in touch with studios that you, you know, really admire? Yeah, I think I really just went online and looked for email addresses from Pentagram and that's how it came about. It definitely helped to have Chef and Sagmeister in the resume at that, mm -hmm. that point. Yeah, I just reached out and then had an interview and then went there. Mm -hmm. You spend some time at Sagmeister and Walsh, you spend some time at Pentagram. Already, in my eyes, that is like riding high on the design uh, stops. And then you also end up at Rowanco. And Rowanco, I think they're still creating amazing work. The quality is phenomenal. You spent two years there. How, how was that experience? Yeah, it was really great. I mean, it was my first full-time job abroad, but it was also really my first really full-time job being employed ever. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it and I loved the detailed work that they're putting into every project. I just loved the style of Rowan, the founder, and every project that I was able to work on was just really amazing, interesting, and also beautiful. So we worked on a lot of fashion branding and fashion art direction work there. I just learned so much there about processes, about print production, about how you really work with clients and about having like a structure to your work. I think that's what they really did very well. I think it's amazing that you recognize for the internship at Sagamaster and Walsh that some people may say like, oh, I have my own studio. I'm not going to give up and go to an intern or, or do that because that would mean that I'm taking a step backward, which I think is not the case at all. You know, like you saw the opportunity to really one, get your foot in the door in New York and also learn from one of your heroes, essentially. And I think that's really key to leading to the rest of your amazing opportunities. After Rowan Co., you step into Sid Lee as a design director. Yes. Was that scary? It was scary for sure. After Ronco, I first really didn't know what I really want to do. And I ended up just interviewing at a lot of different places. And I even went to interviews where I was like, I don't think that I want to work there, but it really helped me figure out what I really want to do. And at that point, I really enjoyed art direction. So I was really into that. And I was looking for opportunities where I could work on bigger shoots or bigger productions and learn more about that really. And I think one good way in is to go into a more advertising direction because there you have productions and bigger budgets. So I interviewed there and I really liked the vibe there right away. I got along with the creative directors very well and it felt really right. And so I got actually hired as a senior designer slash art director, but they told me that eventually they want to help me get to a design director position so I could start my own team and everything. But it happened very quickly. So it happened after almost a month or, or wow. so because the whole internal structure at Sidley changed and one of the ECDs left and everyone got bumped up uh, one there position. It happened rather soon and I get just thrown into the cold water. But <laughs> it was really great. I love to kind of figure things out by 
just doing it and I am sure I made a lot of like mistakes but I was also able to exchange myself with all the other creative directors or senior art directors there to just learn from them and ask for tips and everyone knew that I'm also fresh in that position so there was a lot of helping each other out and just figuring it out together. A little forgiveness in a grace period. Yeah for sure. Here and there. What do you think some of the key learnings basically being thrown into a creative director would say like you just didn't have the experience from before you know I think you had mentioned they started to build a team under you so was that something that you had had experience or exposure to before? I mean at On Guard we hired designers and we hired people and we had interns so there was a little bit from that maybe but Mm -hmm. Still, it, it was very different. It was at a very different level, I think. What was hard for me there was to be more in a managerial position. So I wasn't as hands-on on most projects. So I would start projects and give a direction and then let designers execute, which I was really not used to doing. So I was giving a lot of feedback and spent a lot of time just looking at PDFs and commenting and commenting and commenting on things. But yeah, it, w- it was also great to have that experience. And I was able to focus on a lot of art direction there. And yeah, I was really able to go on so many shoots and really big productions for Facebook or for Apple. And we traveled the world and I learned so much from that. That was really um, precious to me. I read, you know, as I was doing my research that that you said you really love your job and that you really love design. And I was curious if you could maybe speak a little bit about if there's anything specific in there that you love so much about design and being able to do that every day. I don't know what exactly or why I really love it, (laughs) but I think I just always really enjoyed it. And I love to look at beautiful things and I love materials and like touching things and like haptic things and I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I don't know why I like it, but I think I'm just like really happy by doing that work every day. And of course, there's projects where sometimes like things get a little annoying or repetitive sure. or something. But all in all, I think I'm not getting tired of it because there's so many fields and directions that you can go in with design that it's kind of always exciting to me. Your portfolio of work the projects that you've been able to work on, there's such a high level of execution and quality that goes into it that you put energy behind. I'm curious how much of the work that you show, say, on your website or you see around the web are from the professional kind of opportunities that you've had, but then also how many are from side projects or passion projects that Mm -hmm. you've worked on? Thank you. All projects actually on my site, except there's a section called Play, are professional so everything is luckily paid Mm -hmm. but I always love to do side projects especially in the in the beginning in New York I did way more side projects first to experiment for kind of like the love design but then also to put it on my side to show what I'm actually really interested in doing and hoping to attract the right clients for the projects but right now luckily all projects are paid on client projects but of course there's a lot of projects that I'm also doing that eventually don't land on the website so yeah eventually the two different roads eventually merge right like this idea of you're doing work for your full time and your your passion projects now being freelance those have kind of merged because you've been able to put out there the work that you want to do and that you really are excited about yeah totally 
I want to make sure I mention this before we talk about one of the things I'm most excited about. You were able to work with Apple for a short time. What did they have you do? And also, like, how did they find you? Mm-hmm. When I was working at Sidley, we did a campaign for Apple, for Apple News. And it was a pitch, I think, and we had to work on the campaign visuals. And we only had like 48 hours. It was really crazy. (laughs) Nice. So I worked with my team and we won this kind of pitch. And it was really exciting that that we got this Apple client. And I don't know if that helped (laughs) that I had this work also in, in my portfolio. But I was talking to a recruiter at Apple. I think someone just reached out to me and they were looking for freelancers or permalancers, people Mm -hmm. that would go there for a couple of months and work on specific projects. And yeah, after Sid Lee, I knew that I want to go back to freelance or to have my own thing and try that out in the States as well, where I was a little bit more scared about doing that here just because the cost of living is much higher Mm -hmm. and... So, yeah, a great first step for me was to do a permalance kind of at Apple. So I went there for, I think, total like six or seven months almost with a break. It was really great to see the inside of, of Apple and was just really amazing how much time you have to put into a specific task or a specific thing. You could really see that design was valued so much. So I also didn't have to do that many things in parallel so there was one big focus that I had a lot of time to spend on it made me understand that it just really needs that time and effort to create great work so when you say that you had so much time is that they allowed you the space to continue to work ideas and mold them over I think there was just a lot of ideation on things so Mm. they were just like rounds and rounds and rounds to just make it really perfect it's not that I had a lot of time and like just sat around, whatever, <laughs> but it, was, it yeah. was just, there was so much focus on design and art direction and finding like the perfect solution for things, because of course it's like the biggest company on, yeah. on the planet and so, their main focus. so known for amazing design. So I wasn't surprised about that. <laughs> it's awesome. So you've been able to have this amazing design experience, this resume of work and being able to work at some of the best agencies, in my opinion. And now you are independent. You're commissioned to do work and you work with clients. One of the reasons why that I eventually found you is the magazine Gossamer. And I remember when the website started, I was just so curious. I was like, what is this? What are they going to do? And their approach to weed and marijuana and the lifestyle that it's not just, they're kind of like demystifying what that means as a person nowadays. Yeah. And the content was so well curated, but also so well designed. And you're now working with them. What is the relationship? What are you in charge of? So first, I'm doing all the magazine design I'm doing in collaboration with my friend Christina Batosova, who cool. is a designer in Austria who I met at On Guard. So the magazine design is like totally like 50-50 between the two of us. She actually works more on the layout kind of editorial side and I do more of the art direction and yeah I started working with Gossamer like one and a half years ago I think I met the founder who is also called Verena on on Instagram so we were just like Instagram friends okay (laughs) and then of course I followed her brand too and then eventually she asked me if I want to work on their second issue and I was really excited about it because I I haven't worked on editorial for so long, but I also had like a lot of respect of it 
just because I wasn't sure what I would get myself into it because it's a really big magazine. So it's 144 pages. I wasn't sure if I really could do it by myself. So I reached out to my friend, Christina. And yeah, it worked out really perfectly. And I'm super appreciative about the relationship that we have with Gossamer just because they really trust us and they let us do almost like whatever we want. Of course, it needs to make sense with the content mm -hmm. and everything, but every photographer or illustrator that we suggest, they give us so much freedom and liberty. And also over time, we really start to understand what Gossamer is about. And it's so much fun to help define the brand and to help kind of define the vibe of it and how it should feel in like different means of communication, whether it's the magazine or web or art direction or packaging even. You mentioned that when you decide to work with other partners or other creatives that you kind of have full trust from Verena as well. I saw that you were able to work with like Thomas Pryor, who is a huge favorite of mine on, oh, yeah. as a photographer as well. Does a little bit of your childhood sort of creep in having come from a photography-based family? Yeah, totally. So first, Tom is great. I actually got to know him with one of these very large Facebook productions that I did at Sidley. So we traveled half of the world like shooting. So yeah, with photography, I always really loved it because my grandmother started the photography business in the, in the 50s and she had like a very classic photography business where she had two stores where she would develop photos and also do portraits and shoot weddings and all of that. And we had this little um, store, so I just spent a lot of time there, even helping as, as a teenager, helping out as a kid, and then also being in a dark room and seeing images being developed and helping out on shoots. So I did that from childhood on and always really loved it, yeah. So in addition to Gossamer, you have also worked on a number of projects that have gotten a lot of light in the design community and in what you could say is press. But when you see something beautiful come on your feed or on the internet somewhere, you just can't help but stop. I think the work that you did for Jumbo uh, was really cool. You did a laundromat. You've done a kid's clothing brand. What do you think has been a big contributing factor to being able to work on these projects that will give you so much freedom and trust? Mm -hmm. So with Chambo, for example, was sometimes it's just like really a lucky coincidence, to be honest. I met the co-founder of Chambo here at ADO. So they have a furniture company and it's a very specific style of um, furniture and he was looking for a logo. So it was a kind of a very quick project and he had um, something in mind. It was also very open and there was a lot of like freedom for it. So we just iterated on the logo together for a bit. And then that's how it kind of came about. And it's the same thing with the laundromat. There was this girl, Liana, writing me an email and she was telling me about how much she loves laundromats. So she was really into laundromats and she would just like talk and write about them all the time. So <laughs> I always think it's very exciting if people are very excited about something. Mm -hmm. And I think her energy just like swept over and I thought, what an amazing project to design a laundromat. And so, yeah, we just decided to team up on it and do it together. And luckily I had a lot of freedom on this project too. I can go on and pick apart some of the projects on your site and keep you here for a longer time than you <laughs> probably want. but. Where can people find more of your work and get in touch to either work together or get some advice from you or anything like that? 
Well, you can always write me on my email address, which is studio at verenamichelic.com, <laughs> which is probably really hard to understand, but mm -hmm. maybe just try to Google search and I don't I can leave a, I'll leave a link on the website. Yeah. Where can they find you on Instagram? Instagram, it's at Verenschka, <laughs> which is also a weird handle, but a friend of mine gave that name to me, the girl that I had this studio with in Graz. So. Verena, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. This podcast is produced by me. John Sarantino out in Jersey City, New Jersey. Editing, mixing, and music are all done by my friend Kevin Bendis in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Definitely check him out. You can find out more about WellFed and where to listen at wellfedpodcast.com or on social media at WellFedPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon.